Good morning. Can we celebrate being together at church today? Man, I'm so glad to be here with you today. If you're watching online, we love you. We see you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Josh, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm really excited to be preaching today. It's been a while. I was on a sabbatical for a few months, and so it's the first time I've got to preach since I've been back, and I'm ready to go. So uh, buckle up. I, I really believe God has some stuff for us this morning. But before we jump into that, I just want to say happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans in the room. Can we just give them a huge hand? We are so grateful for you. If you're watching online and you're a veteran, thank you for all you do. Man, I just, I love being part of this church and just through the grace of God, through something God's been doing, we have so many veterans and family members of veterans who attend our church. We estimate we're 70 to 75% military here, and we love you guys so much. We see you guys, and uh, my dad's watching right now. Happy Veterans Day, Dad. I love you. Um, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. So if you want to grab your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. Um, and as you're turning there, if you haven't been around for a minute, or maybe today's your first day at ACF Church, um, or you're just coming back, or you're watching for the first time online, we have begun a I want to say series. Really, we're in a season. We're in a, a year-long season of learning what does it mean to go into the deeper life. We're calling this whole year the deeper life in Christ. And we believe that Jesus has so much for us. And that, that in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come. He tells us why he came. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That Jesus wants us to have a full life in him. And, and that full life we're calling the deeper life. And so we're on a journey of the deeper life. And we're going to be on this journey for the whole year. And, and if, so over the next seven weeks, we're talking about a deeper life through prayer. Going on a deeper life through prayer. That the beginning of understanding and even walking into a deeper life begins with prayer. And over the last several weeks, we've talked a lot of different things about prayer. Like we talked about, first of all, does prayer even work? Why pray? Like, if God wrote the book, and he's all sovereign, then why do I even need to pray? We talked about, like, what do we do when, like, how to pray when you're in pain? And how to pray when it feels like God is not answering your prayers? Like, these are all really important things to talk about. And if you, if you weren't around or if you haven't heard them, I would highly suggest you go back and go on our website and watch, uh, watch those messages, because there's some really good stuff in there. But today we're going to dive into it in, in some practical sense about prayer and, and talk about praying through mental health. So we're calling today is praying through your mental health. Because as we're entering into the winter months, as the snow is falling, as like it's becoming more and more miserable driving into work early in the morning, and it's cold outside, and, and this is this time of year where we can start to struggle with our mental health. And, and in fact, if you've been around ACF at all for any amount of time, you'll know that this is something that's near and dear to our heart. We talk about mental health often because mental health is important, just as our physical health is important. And most people understand, like, yeah, I, I should do some things to help out my physical health. Like, I should maybe eat a little better. Maybe I should do a little bit of exercise. I should go to the doctors every once in a while, right? Like, how many people do I know that got some sort of sickness and there's like, well, they could have discovered this like, you know, nine years ago, but you never came to the doctor, right? Like, for some reason, we don't like to do those things, but we at least understand, yeah, our physical health is important. 
And, and just as important as our physical health is our mental health. And, and mental health is, affects everybody, just like physical health affects everybody. And you don't have to be in, in like deep, dark depression to need to talk about mental health. You don't need to have crippling anxiety to need to talk about mental health. The truth is, is we all deal with mental health. And in fact, Scripture is full of passages and sections that talk about our mental health. And, and the truth is, the reality is that, that Jesus cares about your mental health. He cares about your mental state of being. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to pray alongside our mental health today. And before I jump into this, I, I want to make some caveats here. I, I don't want you to be afraid or leave here thinking, oh, this is one of those, like, if I'm struggling with my mental health, I just need to pray more, right? Like, that, that, that's been popular, like, in the church in the past. It's like, oh, just pray more. Just read the Bible more, and that will fix your mental health. No, that's not what I'm saying at all today. So I don't want you to hear that. And the second thing I'm not saying today is, is today is not a prescription to, like, have to get rid of your prescriptions. In other words, if you need to be on medication for your mental health, first of all, that's okay. That's a, that's a physical issue. And that today what I'm going to talk about is not something to say, like, oh, you should just get rid of that now. Now, maybe Jesus will heal you from that, and that'll be amazing. You don't need to be on it, but you might need to be on it. And, and just to make it more personal, I understand this because my wife walks with this every day. She takes medication for her mental health. But I love what Malia says. She says this. She says, look, I take the medication because, not because it makes it all better. Like, medication does not make your problems better, right? But she says, the medication just helps clear my mind and heal my mind enough so I can go from point A to point B, right? It, it puts me in the right state of mind to have the capability to go to point A to point B. I still have to go from point A to point B. If, if I'm just sitting in point A and this is where the problems are, I'm not going to get better no matter how much medication I take. And so that, again, this is not what I'm talking about today. It's like, hey, now if you just do this, you don't need to take medication. Again, that's a physical issue going on. And, and I'm not saying just pray your problems away and they'll all go away and you just pray more and then you'll be better. But Scripture is pretty clear on some things on how we can pray through our mental health and, and, and actually walk in peace. And so, again, it doesn't need to be clinically, you know, you don't have to have clinical depression or crippling anxiety to need to talk about this and deal with this. Because the thing is, Jesus cares about this. He cares about you. And that's where I just want to start with today is Jesus cares like about you, Amen. about you sitting there watching online. He cares about you. In fact, scripture says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Like that's how deeply and intimately he knows you. For some of you, that's not that hard, right? <laughs> Seven, right? For some of us, it's more than that. But he knows. In fact, Psalms 139, listen to this. This is crazy. This is mind-blowing. I was just reminded of this as I was preparing this message. Psalms 139, the psalmist says, if we gathered all of God's thoughts together about us, about you, it would outnumber the sands on the seashore. That's how much God thinks about you. That's how much God knows you. And God cares about these things that you care about. He cares about your mental health. So what do I mean when I say mental health? Because there's a lot of definitions. There's a lot of things we can talk about when we talk about mental health. For today's purposes, I want to use this definition. Peace of mind. 
peace in your mind. A mind free of worry, a mind free of anxiety. Doesn't that sound awesome? A mind free of worry and anxious thoughts, no matter what's going on around you. Does that even sound possible? A mind free of worry and anxious thoughts, no matter what's going on around me. That's what I'm talking about today when we talk about this mental health. And I also want to say, that's what Jesus wants for you. A mind free of worry and anxious thoughts. So let's jump in. We're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. Paul kicks off this section by saying this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So when we talk about mental health, the first thing Paul says is he says, hey, rejoice always. And for those in the back, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. In case you didn't hear me, rejoice always. Now that doesn't sound possible, does it? Right? Like, were you rejoicing Thursday morning driving into work? Cars everywhere. Right? You may have been one of the ones in the ditch. Were you rejoicing? How do you rejoice always? That doesn't even seem possible. Usually the way I live my life is, yeah, I'll rejoice when things go the way I want them to go. I'll rejoice, God, when you answer my prayer the way I want you to answer my prayer. I'm waiting to rejoice until things go the way I want them to go. But until they do, I'm not going to be rejoicing. That's how I live my life. But Paul says different. He says, rejoice always. How do I rejoice when I don't get the job that I wanted? How do I, get, how do I rejoice when I, when I don't get the results I wanted? How do I rejoice when I studied and studied and studied and I still man, flunked the test? How do I rejoice when I'm in relational turmoil? How do I rejoice in these times? Paul gives us the answer right here. So often we, we read these verses and we just pass right over the main point. Paul tells us right here, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Why do I rejoice always? Because the Lord is near. Why do I rejoice when I don't get the job that I wanted? Because the Lord is near. Why do I rejoice when I don't get the results of the test that I wanted? Because the Lord is near. See, we do not rejoice in our circumstances. We rejoice in the Lord. Jesus has come and he has set us free from sin and death. And because of that, we can always rejoice no matter the circumstances. See, peace of mind doesn't happen because everything's going your way. That's not, you, you, that, that's like, that, that's not real. That's, that's, that's fraudulent peace, right? That's just peace that has everything to do with what's going on around you. No, peace of mind is happening and is real when things aren't going your way. This is peace of mind that's free of worry and anxiety. And we do not rejoice in our circumstances, but we rejoice in the Lord. So because the Lord is always near, we always have a reason to rejoice. And so this is how we start with this idea of, of mental health, of peace of mind. But some of you might be thinking this, and I know you're thinking this because I've thought this in the past. It doesn't feel like the Lord is near. 
Like you say the Lord is near, and that's great, you can say that, but it doesn't feel like the Lord is near. Like when you get the results from the doctor and they're not good, that really doesn't feel like the Lord is near, right? When things come at you out of the blue, come at you sideways in life, and you weren't expecting them, and and all of a sudden you have this huge financial burden, this crippling burden financially, it doesn't feel like the Lord is near. And I get it. When you're just trying to grind out your life day in and day out, maybe it's nothing huge, maybe you're just grinding out, and you're like, man, I, I don't find joy in life. I just, oh, I'm going to work, I'm grinding, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm just grinding this life out. Is God really near? See, I think what ends up happening in these situations we don't see God is because our eyes have been taken off of Him and our eyes are focused on our problem. Right? We, we're focused on this. God is right here, but we're focused on the problem. It's like Peter getting out of the boat. He get, I see Jesus getting out of the boat. All right, oh, here comes a problem. Oh, no, I don't see Jesus anymore. And now I'm drowning in my problem. Jesus is still there. He hasn't moved. But I'm drowning in my problem because I don't see God anymore. I've taken my eyes off God and I've put them on my problems and that's all I can focus on and it's all I can look at. Right, a couple of weeks ago, Brian talked about like the, the ketchup in the refrigerator door, right? It's right there, but I don't see it. Honey, where's the ketchup? It's in the door. No, it's not. I don't see it. It's right there. No, it's not there. Come over here. and No, it's right there. Right? It was there the whole time, but I I couldn't see it because I thought it was maybe somewhere else. I thought it was a different bottle, right? So often we don't see God too because like, oh, I'm looking for God to look like this exact thing in this exact moment. And I don't see this. I don't see the yes to my answer prayer. I don't see it going my way, and so I don't see God. See, God is he's so much bigger than the results that we're looking for. He is God, and he's already freed us from sin and death. And so we can rejoice because God is near. Even if we don't see him, he is still near. Paul goes on and writes. He says, okay, guys, here you go. Here's where the rubber meets the road. He says in verse 6, don't worry about anything but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Cool. Don't worry about anything. If you're worrying, stop it. Right? Any husbands ever tried that one with your wife? I'm worried, honey. Yeah, stop it. Let me just say this. If you're not married, put this in your back pocket. <laughs> Don't do that. Right? If you're not married and you want to be married one day, you're going to be in a situation, and your wife might be wor- worrying, and you're going to go, you sh- don't, oh wait, Josh said that back in the, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, and you're going to thank me, don't do that. But this is like literally what Paul's doing, or it sounds like what he's doing. Don't worry about anything. Like anything, anything? Anything. Don't worry about anything. But, I love this, he puts this in there. But, see, he's not saying, don't worry, stop it. He's saying, don't worry, but. In other words, don't worry, instead of worrying, do something different. Instead of worrying, you have some options here. See, he says, instead of worrying, do something with that worry that's in your brain. We have the options to do something with the thoughts that come into our head. We have no control over the thoughts that come into our head. We don't get to choose what thoughts enter our minds. There's a 
billion different things and a billion different reasons of why thoughts enter our minds. But what we do with them from there, we are in complete control of. And, and Scripture even says to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. How many thoughts go through your brain a day? Hundreds. And we're supposed to take every thought captive? That sounds exhausting. And yet, and yet, we absolutely need to be doing this. In fact, I think one of the reasons it sounds exhausting is because, to be honest, we're just really, really weak mentally. We're a culture that are incredibly weak mentally. We have no mental fortitude for these things. And what happens is a thought comes into our head, a lie comes into our head, a, a worry comes into our head, anxiety comes over to our head, and we just go, oh, and I just dwell on it, and I dwell on it, and I dwell on it, and this is my life, and this is how it's going to be, and it's going to be terrible, and it's awful, and I dwell, and I dwell, and I dwell, and Paul's saying, hey, yeah, you have options. You don't have to dwell on it. Do something different. Take every thought captive. In fact, uh, last men's retreat, Jeff Bramstead came up here, and, and he talked about that verse, take every thought captive. He said, literally what, what take it captive means is, it like, it's like this military term that says, take a knife to the throat of. When you have a knife to the throat of something, you have that thing captive. So these thoughts that come into your brain, those thoughts that come into your mind, take a knife to the throat of those thoughts. Does this align with Scripture? No. Eject it from your mind. Does this thought, is it true? No. Okay, I got to do something with it now. Is this thought bringing me towards Jesus or causing anxiety? It's causing anxiety. Okay, now I got to do something with it. Take every thought captive. We get to choose what we do with the thoughts that come into our mind. And so, what do we do though? How do we deal with these thoughts? It's not stop it. He says, take every thought captive. He said, don't worry, but instead, what does he say? He says, present your request to God. Present your request to God. That's what we do. Usually, nine times out of ten, worry comes into our mind, anxiety comes into our mind, and there's something attached to it. And so what do I do? I take that request and I go straight to God with it. And I deal with this thought in my mind by going straight to God in everything. It's crazy. Paul says, in everything do this. In all thoughts. And why in everything? In everything, in all areas, is because God cares about all areas of your life. Like, think about that. Is there a single area of your life that God is not concerned about, that God does not care about? Like, is there any area in your life, we were just talking about this with my life group last week, like, is there any area in your life where God's like, yeah, you know, that's kind of a you thing. I'm, you, you, you can do that. I'm going to stay over here. Right? Is there any area of your life where God's like, I'm not just not into that. You, you, you can do that. I'm going to stay over in this part of your life. No, in every area of our life, God wants to be involved in. And so in every area of our life, when there's worry or concern or anything, God says, bring that to me. Don't just dwell on it. Instead of dwelling on it, bring it to me. Present your request to God. Because God cares about every single area of your life. And what you end up doing is you end up exchanging your worry with a request, right? Exchange your worry with a request to God. Okay, bring it to God and say, God, I have to bring this to you. This is causing worry in my life. So how do I make my request to God? Like, what does that look like to actually do that in a practical way? What does it look like to make my request to God? Well, there's a little, a little section here that Paul says, in everything through prayer and petition, in everything, through prayer and petition. 
Through prayer is how we make our requests to God. Okay, we're talking about a deeper life through prayer. Through prayer is how we make our requests to God. How do I not worry about anything? Through prayer. What does that look like in a practical way? We're going to talk about that. But before I do that, can I just state something that I think is obvious, but we don't really want to admit in church? And that is this. Prayer is hard. Can we say that? Prayer is hard. Can we agree with that? Prayer is hard. Why is prayer so hard? Why is it really hard? You know, we, we've, we've asked this question many, many times throughout this series, but it's like every one of us would be like, yeah, I think I need to pray more. I think I need a better prayer life. I think I need to be more disciplined in my prayer. We'd all agree with that, and yet we still are there, right? It, it's like we're not doing anything about it. Why is prayer so hard? I believe that there's a very specific reason why prayer is so hard. And, and this is the reason. You ready for this? We are at war. We are at war. In fact, Scripture over and over again talks about this spiritual war that every human being is involved with. And if you don't believe it's real, then you're losing. Right? If you're not entering the fight, you're being run over by this war. Every single human being is involved in this spiritual battle. In fact, Again, Scripture over and over again talks about these things. And, and I believe personally that like this spiritual world around us is as real, if not more real, than this tangible world that we can touch, smell, see, and hear right now. And, and, and when you look at Scripture, you see these moments where, where people are they're full of worry and they're full of fear and they don't know what's going on and what does God do? God peels away this reality that we live in and he lets them see into the spiritual world and all of a sudden you have Elisha's servant seeing thousands of chariots protecting them, right? You see in these moments where, the, where God peels away this, this world that we live in and all of a sudden Isaiah sees God in all his glory sitting on his throne and the train of his robe is filling the temple with glory, right? When God peels away what we see here and he lets us see into the spiritual world, all of a sudden humans' eyes are open and we're like, oh my goodness, there's so much more going on here. Right? There's so much more going on here. We're in a war. Paul says in Ephesians 6, which we're going to get to in a second, he says, look, you don't battle other people. We don't battle flesh and blood. Republicans, you don't battle Democrats. Democrats, you don't battle Republicans. We don't battle each other. There's no people that we battle. We battle against principalities and powers. In other words, a spiritual world. And there is a war going on. Uh, Mason just talked last week about Daniel praying. Praying. He, he gets this dream. and He's like, God, what does this dream mean? And God sends him the answer immediately, except it doesn't get to him immediately because this angel goes to meet with Daniel and, and all of a sudden this angel finds himself in a war and there's a battle and he can't get through the prince of Persia. And the prince of Persia is blocking him from getting to Daniel. And all of a sudden, like, this angel has to call Michael. Michael shows up, like, throwing hands with the prince of Persia. And all of a sudden, then this angel can slide through and meet Daniel. Like, this is actually going on. We are at war. And, and again, we, we, we know this in Scripture. We read this, and I just mentioned Ephesians 6, a very famous passage talking about war. And, and what is Ephesians 6 about, right? It's about putting on the what? Armor of God. That's right. That's right. It's the armor of God. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that. It's the armor of God. Right? What is the armor of God, right? Like, we have the helmet of? That's right. 
We have the breastplate of, okay, we have the, the belt of, okay, then we have the shield of, and when we have the shoes of, yeah, you guys don't even know what the shoes are, man. Like, it's like something, I don't know, are shoes really that important? I got my own shoes. That's the readiness of the gospel peace. The shoes make us ready to bring the gospel peace. And then, of course, we have the sword of the spirit. Now what? Now what? We're all dressed up, ready to go. But now what? I think what ends up happening is we, we know this, Ephesians 6, 6 through 17. We got it memorized. You just told it to me. But now what? You're not in a war yet. You've just put some clothes on. You put your armor on. I remember when I was a kid going to school and my dad was like eight years old. My dad would drive me to school every day and be like, okay, Josh, let's put on the armor of God before we get to school today. I'm like, oh, let's do it. Be like, let's put on the helmet of salvation. I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, let's go. Let's put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you know. And then I remember at Christmas, my, my parents get me like the, the little plastic armor set. You see that? It's like got the breastplate, it's got the helmet, and the little fling flips down, and you got your, your sword, and you know, you got all these things. And I'm like, yeah, let's go I'm running around swinging at stuff. And it's like, it looks so cute. I got it for my kids. My son used to love to wear it all over the place, all the time. He looks so cute. I think there's a lot of Christians that like to put the armor of God on and walk around, and you're not in actually a battle. You look really cute walking around. You got your armor on, but, but what are you doing? Like, that's not where this section ends. We stop reading at verse 17. Okay, God, I got my armor on. I'm feeling good. But you're not at war. Verse 18, now pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance and intercede for all the saints. What do you do when you get your armor on? You go to war. How do you go to war? Pray at all times. Literally, going to war is prayer. Why is it so hard to pray? Because the enemy doesn't want you doing it. He's going to do everything he can to distract you, to discourage you, to keep you from praying. But you want to go to war for your kids? Pray for your kids. You want to go to war for your classmates? Pray for your classmates. You want to go to war for your family members who don't know Jesus? Pray for your family members who don't know Jesus. You want to go to war for this community? Pray for this community. You can put the armor of God on all you want, but you're not at war until you start praying. That is the battle. That is the weapon. And that is why the enemy wants to keep you from praying. He doesn't want you to enter the fight. He doesn't mind if you're walking around wearing the armor all day. He wants to keep you from the fight. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And so I want to jump back into Philippians now as we're talking about prayer. In everything through prayer and petition. In everything through prayer and petition, how do I replace worry in my mind through prayer, going to war? But, but, I can hear it now. There's a big but in this room. Josh, I tried that and it didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. Can I just say, I believe you. Because I've tried it. And it didn't seem to work. I worried, I prayed, and I still worried. So now what? 
is Scripture not true? What, what, what do we do with that? I believe you. I think oftentimes what ends up happening, and if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, what ends up happening is prayer becomes this thing over here in my life. Okay? I live over here. I live my day-to-day life over here, and I got all these things in my life, and if worry comes or just stuff happens throughout the day, I try to deal with it. And then if all of a sudden I can't deal with it anymore, I come over here to prayer, and I'm like, okay, God, now I need to pray. And then I pray, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go back over here. And, and, and that's how I live kind of my prayer life, if I would, is like prayer's over here, I'm over here, and I, I come to it when I need it. But that's not what prayer is. Paul literally says all the time, in everything be praying, in everything be praying. How do I pray in everything? Well, I cannot pray in everything if prayer's over here and I'm over here and I just go to it when I need it. At all times. Literally, Paul says, pray without ceasing in another passage. How do you pray without ceasing? That, that doesn't feel possible in everything at all times. Pray without ceasing. Pray over these things in all areas of our lives. Like, how do you do that? Like, how do I pray without ceasing? Like, that seems very hard. Like, literally what Paul's saying is, at all times, in all times, be praying. At all times, in all times. And that doesn't really even sound possible. Like, how do I pray and, like, do my work at the same time, right? How do I pray and be taking this test all at the same time? How do I pray and be yelling at my kids at the exact same time? Like, it's really hard to do. How do I do these things? Is it even possible? Well, what is prayer? Let's ask this question. What is prayer? I think we have a wrong idea of what prayer is. Now, we have said, and this is true, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is communicating to the God of the universe who loves you deeply and intimately. That is prayer. But I want to take it a little step further. I want us to understand what prayer is. Prayer is the vehicle that takes you into the presence of God. Okay? Prayer is the vehicle that takes you into the presence of God. Prayer is like not the answer. Prayer is not the thing that like we worship or whatever. It's just the thing that takes us to the thing that we worship. Right? Prayer is the vehicle that brings us into the presence of God. The point of prayer is connection with God. Okay? The point of prayer is connection with God. That is the point. That is why Paul is saying pray all the time. Pray without ceasing because he's saying continually be connected with God all the time. Prayer is not an event. Prayer is a connection. Really, it's, it's John 15. Jesus is talking and Jesus says, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. Stay connected with me. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? That's what prayer is. Prayer is remaining in the vine. Prayer is staying connected to Jesus. That is what prayer is. And so when we pray without ceasing, what we're really saying is stay connected to Jesus without ceasing. Prayer is the vehicle that helps us do that. And and, and really, like, what prayer is, prayer is a thing that gets me from where I am to where I need to be. Where I am is I'm worried about this situation. Where I need to be is at peace in Jesus. Where I am is I have anxiety in my life because things aren't going the way I want them to go. Where I need to be is peace in Jesus. And so prayer is the vehicle that takes me from where I am from where I need to be. (laughs) I am not saved. I am dead in my sins. I am an outsider. I'm an enemy of God. Jesus Save me. I am a child of God. 
Prayer is the thing that takes me from where I am to where I need to be. See, prayer is not a phone call. I think oftentimes we think of prayer like a phone call, like, uh-oh, things are going wrong. Things aren't going the way they should. I need to, I need to call God. Hey, God, can you help me out in this situation? Uh, I could really use your help right now if you could take care of this. Are, are you good? Like, you're going you're to hook me up, right, God? Okay, cool. Thanks. Oh, by the way, do you have any advice for me today? Anything I should know about? Okay, thanks. Bye. I'll talk to you later. And we go on our day. That's how we often treat and think about prayer. But prayer is not that. Prayer is more like entering into the room with God, not calling him up on the phone. I'm in his presence, right? I'm here with God. Like one of my most favorite places in the world is my parents' back porch sitting with my dad. I, it, is, it is like when I think of the word peace, that's what I think of, my parents' back porch hanging out with my dad. And, and I can go down there, I can see my dad, I can sit on the back porch, and I can be reading a book, he can be on his computer doing stuff, but we're connected. We're there. We're not necessarily talking. Sometimes we talk, we talk about all sorts of things, but sometimes we're just being together. I can be doing things, I can be doing my stuff, but yet we're there. That's what it's like being in the presence of God. See, it's not about an event. Pray during this event. I have this event of prayer. No, prayer is, is this mindset. I'm just continually staying connected. And sometimes worry comes in and it knocks me out from the presence of God. I take my eyes off Jesus. Okay, prayer brings me back to putting my eyes on Jesus. It brings me back into the room. Okay? But um, as long as I'm in the room, that's like in this life of prayer. And prayer is the thing that brings me back to that place. And there's this, there's this key in here that Paul says. There's this secret ingredient to the prayer. He says, with, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Man, thanksgiving is, the, is like the ingredient that helps us take our eyes from our problems and putting them on Jesus. Thanksgiving is a thing that goes, man, things are bad right now, but Jesus has saved my soul. Right? See, when we pray, we don't want to pray from the position of four. We want to pray from the position of from. Let me explain that. When I am needing peace, I don't need to pray for peace. I need to pray from peace because Jesus has already given me peace between me and God. Right? When, I, when I'm praying for healing, I don't pray for healing. I pray from healing because Jesus has already healed and by his stripes we are healed and there is a promise coming of healing. Amen. See, the reality is, the truth is... If, when we pray for healing, Jesus sometimes miraculously heals. And sometimes he doesn't. But the truth is, there's 7 billion people in this world, and 7 billion people are going to die. No matter how many times you pray for healing, and how many times God heals you, you're still going to die. Sorry if you're realizing that for the first time today. Don't mean to depress you. But that, that should actually be a relief. Like, 7 billion people in this world, unless Jesus comes back. So there's a 99.99% chance Jesus may come back, and I'm praying that he does. But 7 billion people in this world, 7 billion people are going to die. Yet, as believers, we have a healing coming, right? We've been healed. We went from death to life. And, 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 and also, there's a perfected body coming. So like, we have the promise of healing. So when we ask for healing, we know that we've already been healed. So we come from a position of healing. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Romans says that we are co-heirs with Christ. Did you hear that? Co-heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. 
The entire kingdom of God is ours. And so when we pray, we don't pray from the position of for, because the position of for is a position of lacking. The position of from is the position of abundance. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. God abundantly gives us everything that we need. If he takes care of the birds and feeds them, do you think that he cares so much more about your needs? He knows them. And so when we pray, we can pray from thankfulness. Thank you, God, that you are a God of abundance and that you've already given me peace. I already have healing. And yes, this situation may not ever end up the way I want it to. Look, Lazarus died. Jesus brought him back from the dead. He died again. Like, he's not walking around still. Like, But yet there's a promise of healing. There's a promise of fulfillment that is ours. We own it if you were a son or a daughter of God. And so that is how we approach prayer. Not from lacking, but abundance. And I think oftentimes... We go, man, I prayed and it didn't work because one is I'm just going to prayer and coming back, going to prayer and leaving. And then like, God, I just, like, I, I, I have so much lack in my life. But having thanksgiving in my heart puts me in the place of understanding abundance from God. And I love this. Matt Chandler says this. He says, like, what do you do when things go sideways? Like, when it's just bad, like really, really bad, the worst you've ever been in your life. How do you pray then? I love this. This is what he says. Pray what you got. Pray what you got. Man, but I'm, I'm a bad prayer. No, you're not. I always laugh, chuckle to myself when I'm sitting in groups and people are like, well, Josh, can you pray? And I'm like, I want you to pray. Ah, I'm a bad prayer. There's no such thing as a bad prayer. Actually, there is. There is such a thing as a bad prayer. Jesus talks about it. You want to know what a bad prayer is? Jesus points at the corner and says, hey, see those people over there praying these long prayers, using these eloquent words, sounding really holy? They're bad prayers. Don't pray like them. Don't pray like them. You see this guy over here just pounding his chest? God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Pray like that guy. Just pray what you got. Man, in in scriptures, (laughs) Moses, David, I mean, can you imagine being in a life group and someone prays like David prayed? God, how could you abandon me? How could you crush my bones into powder? You are allowing my enemies to triumph over me. How could you do that, God? We'd be like, whoa, brother, chill. You can't talk to God like that. God's holy, man. You can't. No, 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 no. You know what you're doing when you're praying like that? You're in the room. You're before God. Prayer is the vehicle that takes you in the presence of God. Pray what you got. Pray what you got. What happens when we can do this? What happens when we rejoice and rejoice? And, and we, we learn to replace worry with request. And we, re, and we do that through prayer, being in the presence of God. With thanksgiving in our heart, what happens when we do that? Verse 7, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard you. And I love this. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? That means you have peace when you shouldn't have peace. You have peace when everybody else looks at your life and goes, how can you have peace in this moment? That's peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that 
happens when everything is going your way is just a synthetic piece. It's not real because it goes away as, as easy as it came. No, peace that surpasses all understanding is peace that you have when you shouldn't have peace. And that will guard you when we learn to walk in this way. We can have sorrow and peace at the same time. Did you know that? You can have sorrow and peace at the same time. You see, I'm going to close with this thought. I hear this said all the time. I've said this all the time. Man, I need to be more disciplined in my prayer. I need to be more disciplined in my prayer. More disciplined in my prayer. See, what, what do I discipline myself to do? I discipline myself to do the things that I don't want to do, but I know is good for me right? I discipline myself to get up at 5 a.m. because I know I need to go to the gym and do that. If I don't do it at 5 a.m., I just won't do it in the day. I know it's important. I discipline myself to eat a certain way. I don't want to eat a certain way, but I'm going to eat a certain way because I'm getting older, so I need to do this, right? I don't discipline to do the thing. My, I don't discipline myself to do the things that, like, I already want to do. Like, I don't need to discipline myself to have a second bowl of ice cream, right? Like, oh, I'm really going to do this this time. I don't need to discipline myself to watch one more Netflix show, right? I really just, just do it, Josh. Just discipline yourself to do it. No, and so when I hear this, like, it just, this just hit me this week. Discipline myself for my prayer life. Like, what am I really saying? It's like, I don't really want to do this, but I know it's good for me, so I'm going to do it. But when I think we can learn to pray like this way, it's Philippians 4. When we can approach it like this, as this vehicle that's bringing us in the presence of God, all of a sudden, prayer is not a discipline, prayer is a delight. And that's what I want for you today. I want prayer not to be a discipline for you, but to be a delight in your life, that you can look at it in that way. And all of a sudden, it's not like, oh, I got to pray more. It's like, no, I just, it's something that flows because I'm just constantly trying to be connected to the vine. I'm constantly trying to be connected to Jesus in his presence. And so I want to just close with this. If you guys would just close your eyes. I'm going to close in prayer here. But I just want to say this, if, if you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, I want you to understand that you live in a place of abundance. And that prayer is being connected to the Father and that you do not have to live a life of worry anymore. And it's hard work, and that's the thing. This just doesn't happen. It's hard work. It's taking every thought captive. It's living this out. But this is what Jesus wants for you. And the good news is the Holy Spirit is here to walk you through it. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and give you all the strength you need that this can be a reality. And if you're in the room and you are not a follower of Jesus, I just want to say this is available for you today. This is what Jesus has for you. Not a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. Jesus wants peace in your mind, peace in your heart, peace between you and the Father. And like I said, then the inheritance of Christ belongs to you as well. Jesus, we, we love you and we thank you. God, thank you that you are so good to us. Jesus, thank you that you came, that we could have an abundant life and that you love us. Jesus, I pray for all of us in this room dealing with worry, dealing with anxiety. Give us a vision. Give us a vision of what life can look like free from that connected to you, Jesus, connected to the vine, abiding in you through the vehicle of prayer. Give us thanksgiving in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continually remind us of the things that Jesus has done for us, that thanksgiving may live in our hearts. And God, teach us how to rejoice because you are near. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to rejoice because God is near. 
And I pray as we live this out, that we would live a life of peace in such a way that the world looks at us and goes, how is that possible? And we can share you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen.